from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, our weekly conversation with MSU political scientist Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. But first... I'm heading to the UP in September for a few days, and besides looking forward to pasties, I'm also curious to see how many signs for President Trump will be evident, because as the UP goes, it's fair to say so well may go Trump's campaign statewide. Somebody who just observed that is joining me now, Kathleen Gray of the New York Times and late of the State Capitol Bureau of the Detroit Free Press. Kathy, welcome to City Pulse Newsmakers. Thanks, Burl. I'm really happy to be with you. Oh, great. Now, let me just give my listeners just a little background. In 2016, as you reported, Trump won the UP by close to 30,000 votes and then uh, and won his upset victory in Michigan by fewer than 11,000. Hence my brilliant conclusion that Trump must carry the UP to have a shot at repeating his victory in Michigan. That said, Kathy, how's the UP looking for the president? Well, I, I think that it's looking... Uh, is probably looking okay for the president. He's probably going to win the UP, but I don't think his margin is going to be anywhere near the 30,000 votes uh, that it was in 2016. Uh, look at, all you have to do is look to 2018 when Gretchen Whitmer, she also lost in the UP, but it was only by a margin of, of a little over 7,000 votes. And so if those margins shrink um, uh, to a certain extent, then, then the president maybe maybe won't have as nearly as big a margin this time around. Um, there are some Trump signs up there. There certainly are people who are wearing the uh, the MAGA hats, the Make America Great red hats, and their camouflage version, and and others like that. Um, and I did not see any Joe Biden signs up there. Um, but I think that there's also a uh, a bit of a um, people who are who may be backing away from supporting the president. Uh, they don't like what he's done with um, the COVID crisis. They don't necessarily like what he's done with um, uh, all the police brutality protests out there. Uh, so I think that there is, um, uh, there, there is some reticence um, from some folks up there. And you know, if the margin isn't as big, look at how small the margin was in 2016. Uh, margins matter, and yeah. if he doesn't, if he doesn't has have as big a margin, um, you know that could that could definitely mean that that Michigan goes blue. Um, so, yeah, drill down a little bit, if you would, on what you heard from people uh, on both both sides of the Trump question, especially from people who voted for Trump before. Um, one of the people that I talked to, his name is Rod Nelson, and he is a retired CEO of, um, a, uh, of a health system up there in, in St. Ignace. And he voted for Trump a little bit reluctantly in 2016. Uh, he just, he didn't want to vote for another family dynasty uh, with Hillary Clinton and or with Jeb Bush when he was still running for the presidency in 2016 before he dropped out. Uh, and uh, he says that there were, there were many things that bothered him about President Trump. 
um, one, his attitudes toward the military. He was really upset about how President Trump talked about um, uh, people like General Mattis and people like John McCain uh, and, um, and some other folks in the military. He thought it was very disrespectful and uh, it, he, just, he just couldn't abide by it. Um, he also watched that first cabinet meeting that President Trump had uh, when he was first elected and how each one of the, each one of the uh, people had to go around the table and praise the president. And I think his words was, you know, we, we didn't elect a king. We didn't elect a dictator. We elected a president. So he was really turned off by that. Um, then I talked with a couple who voted for Jill Stein in 2016, and uh, they have an organic farm up there. Um, they're kind of um, uh, on the hippie edge spectrum, and um, uh, and they uh, they regret their vote for Jill Stein because of what's happened to them. They talk about the trade issue and how it's affected their farm. Um, the processors that they've used over the years have gone out of business because of Trump's trade trade policies. Uh, they're also really upset with the that Trump has not that President Trump has not. Um, uh, been more forceful uh, with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and uh, it, they decided to stop their you pick blueberry patch, um, which had brought in, you know, a good amount of money for them in previous years, but they didn't want to have to deal with people who um, were adamant about not wearing a mask. Um, so they decided to just shut down that part of their business. And um, one of the women said that she would she would vote for a tuna sandwich over Donald Trump. Um, so there there was that. You know the people who are who are sticking with him, um, uh, they like his bluntness. They like his um, his uh, uh, aggressive uh, aggressive nature. Uh, they think that that's that show that's shows a lot of strength. I had. One person who works in, who owns a logging industry um, or a logging business, and he's happy that gas prices are so low. His costs have gone really down um, since gas prices are so low and the economy is starting to come back up. Um, so he's happy about that. And, um, you know, other people just, you know, just don't want government interference. Um, uh, and yeah, Donald. Donald Trump exemplifies that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people probably assume that the UP has always been a Republican stronghold, but that's not really the case, is it? No, it's not. Um, the you know you had a lot of um, coal and iron, not coal. You had iron ore and um, uh, and copper mines up there. So there was a fairly good organized labor structure up there which was always pretty loyal to Democrats. And you look at when Bill Clinton ran for president, he um, swept the UP in all, all 15 counties uh, the second time that he ran, and he won 14 of the 15 um, the first time that he ran. Um, the UP gave Barack Obama a narrow win in his first run for the presidency. Four years later, that totally reversed itself. Um, and, uh, and then Donald Trump um, really, really uh, very much almost swept the UP except for 
Marquette County, which is the home of Northern Michigan University, which um, is it has always been a pretty solid, solidly blue county in the UP. Why, why do you think uh, it's gone in the last couple of decades uh, from Democratic, albeit narrowly with Barack Obama, uh, to Republican in the last uh, two go-rounds? Well, most of the mines have closed uh, up, in the U up in the UP. Uh, there have been a couple that have reopened in recent years. So the economy in the UP has been a little bit perilous for people. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I think that I think that that has certainly had a um, an impact. Um, there, there's also a huge gun culture in the UP um, that uh, uh, people are are worried that their guns are going to be taken away, and um, they're they're trending away from Democrats as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and uh, uh, pro-life forces are pretty strong up in the UP, and um, uh, and so they're they're going to go with the more socially conservative um, candidate, which in the um, in the last election and and frankly in this election too is uh, is Donald Trump. What what's it like on the ground up there vis-a-vis uh, -vis mask wearers and anti-maskers? Uh, what's going on? Well, in, in businesses, I found that the, uh, the mask wearing is probably about, I would say 70% um, hmm. of people are wearing masks inside businesses. Um, if they are not wearing masks, the, the businesses that I encountered are not, the owners are not, um, uh, are not confronting customers and saying, put, put on your mask, you know. Um, so uh, there is compliance, but it's not 100%. I also went to Taquamanan Falls, and it was a pretty hot Saturday afternoon, and um, uh, nobody was wearing a mask, and it was it was packed. There was it was very crowded. Lots of you know I don't expect people to be wearing masks in the water, but you know on the observation decks, watching the falls and things like that, um, people were not wearing masks there at all. Uh, so, and the people that I talk to um, uh, are not as worried about coronavirus up there as perhaps they are uh, down in the southern part of Michigan, the lower peninsula. Um, there hasn't been as much coronavirus up there, although once tourist season started around the 4th of July, the number of cases has, has more than doubled um, since the middle of July from you know, 300 and some cases, and I think that there are over 900 cases up there now. They've had very few deaths. Um, so people aren't, I don't think people are as worried about it up, up in the UP as we are downstate. Yeah, it, it, although it, it, I do know that they are warning people who are coming up there to visit, don't bring it with you, you know, protect us from you. Uh, so, well, uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Gray, I uh, enjoyed your story, uh, which uh, people can find uh, on the New York Times. It was in, uh, in the Thursday edition. And uh, I, again, congratulate you on uh, your uh, new role at uh, New York Times. Are you still based here in Lansing? I, actually, I'm in Oakland County. Uh, okay. So I'm, based, I'm still based in Michigan okay. and, and will be. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again. You're listening to City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. If you're like most people, you probably didn't watch any of the Republican convention last week. Our next guest did, though. He's MSU political scientist Matt Grossman, who joins us right now. Matt, I woke up this morning to a text from a prominent local politician who uh, regret- uh, regrettably said uh, it was Trump's best speech ever. What do you think? Uh, I thought it uh, mirrored the State of the Union addresses more than the convention speech uh, uh, last time. Uh, that is, it tried to include a whole lot. Uh, there was actually quite a bit of similarity with Mike Pence's speech the, the night before, um, somewhat surprisingly. Uh, I'm not sure it broke any new ground or convinced any new voters to support uh, Donald Trump, um, but uh, it, it sort of marked the end of the convention, which was essentially the majesty of the White House, um, but uh, the, the traditional messages of the, of the Republican Party under Donald Trump. Yeah, which are quite different from the Republican Party under uh, predecessors. What, what, what do you see as the major differences of the Republican Party going forward? Well, uh, to some extent, uh, there was a lot of similarity. I mean, the surprise uh, of having a whole lot of uh, Trump children speak and basically say very little about their father personally, um, but uh, pretty much give political speeches with uh, conservative rhetoric uh, was uh, sort of sort of interesting uh, compared to, to previous campaigns. Um, there, it was a very White House centric convention. You had everybody from the press secretary to the, you know, deputy assistant to the president speaking, um, and so there was a lot of White House there. But actually, the themes uh, and especially the symbols, a lot of uh, the flag, freedom, family, uh, have gone back for for decades. Um, Another difference, though, was uh, just lack of, of policy. There, there was no platform, uh, and uh, that was reflected to some extent in the, in the speeches as well. It was mostly symbolism, uh, taking credit for uh, things that had happened under the first uh, administration, and not a lot of sign of a big policy agenda for the second. Uh, the New York Times on Thursday reported uh, that Trump seems to be weaker in the UP, still likely to win up there, but uh, obviously a bellwether area that uh, had he done poorly there, uh, and Democrats have certainly won the UP in the past. Had he done poorly there, he wouldn't have carried Michigan. Uh, did he, do you think Trump accomplished what I presume would be two goals yesterday? One was uh, to uh, keep uh, uh, his base and uh, perhaps bring back some people in his base who may be deserting him, and then in some way to appeal to independence. How do you think he did on both those fronts? Well, the uh, UP is uh, somewhat representative of uh, actually a pretty big swing voting constituency, which is basically people who are economically liberal but culturally conservative. Uh, and uh, that uh, tends to, that, that really did swing uh, considerably to Donald Trump last time because both campaigns 
uh, sort of agreed to talk more about social and cultural issues and the direction of the nation than, than economics. Uh, that's happening again to some extent. Both conventions uh, had a lot of uh, cultural liberalism and conservatism, um, not a whole lot of specific uh, economic policy uh, proposals. So it's possible that you could see that uh, divide uh, come down again. But there really has been a lot of change under Trump. Uh, it is a normal pattern where the public uh, goes against the direction of policymaking and the president. Um, but that certainly has happened now. And if you just take, say, racial uh, attitudes, uh, the trends under Trump have actually been moving racial attitudes uh, in a liberal direction uh, pretty dramatically among white voters. And so uh, even if he were to have kind of the same uh, constituency, um, it's not clear that it would bring back the same level of support that he had last time. And we're talking to Matt Grossman uh, from Michigan State University about the 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, Matt, much has been made of the appropriation by uh, Trump of the White House uh, uh, into his campaign uh, and some back and forth on whether he violated the Hatch Act. Uh, but uh, I can remember from my reporting days the Jerry Ford Rose Garden campaign and every few days he brought in delegations from different states uh, uh, before he finally went out on his own. And I, a, a footnote, his first campaign appearance was uh, in Ames City, Iowa, and the first thing out of his mouth was, it's great to be in Ohio, uh, a memory of uh, Jerry Ford. But uh, is it that unusual? Uh, was it just the way that he ended up using the White House as a backdrop that's really that different, or is this that different? Well, it is very unusual. Um, you had both the First Lady and the President uh, speak at the White House. Mike Pence also spoke on federal property. Uh, there really are not uh, a lot, there is not a lot of attention to trying to separate uh, the uh, duties and the um, of, govern, of government uh, with the, the campaign. They're essentially merged now. So that is, um, you know, that is a troubling trend. Um, it, it did seem, though, that uh, they, they, Trump did give up, give up some control of the convention, especially in themes. Um, he spoke to the teleprompter. His speech was pretty uh, similar to the themes uh, of the convention as a whole. Um, so I think he essentially kind of gave control of what was said at the convention to uh, the image makers, but he wanted the spectacle. And uh, he certainly got uh, that uh, in comparison to the Democrats, um, complete with fireworks with his name on them. So uh, he, he got the spectacle, um, but he delivered, I think, more of the traditional rhetoric that the, the, the campaign advisors would, would have want to, wanted to hear. Uh, one of the major themes, is, of course, uh, is uh, uh, COVID, uh, Trump's performance on COVID versus his effort to paint the, uh, paint the Democrats as endorsing any violence that may be occurring in any, uh, quote, Democrat-controlled city. Uh, but we had the spectacle there last night of 1,500 or more people not social distancing. Who scored the point, biggest point last night? Well, the, 
I don't think that they're going to be able to convince people that uh, COVID uh, has passed as a concern um, when it's just nightly on the news and there's people, uh, you know, a thousand people dying. Um, that, that's just very hard to get that out of people's uh, mind. Um, now, if he should secure, say, a widely available vaccine uh, or treatment, um, then of course he'll he'll be able to benefit uh, from from that. But the current uh, the current approach really does depend on something happening before the election that makes it look like uh, the the virus is is going away or will be successfully uh, managed. Um, and he just hasn't had that uh, yet. Uh, I do think that there is some potential for the argument that um, uh, violent uh, protests uh, or insecurity in cities um, are associated with the Democrats. Um, it certainly has been uh, effective in some previous campaigns. Um, if voters come to see uh, violent protests associated with the Democrats, then, then perhaps they'll be more likely to um, uh, go with a, a security uh, campaign by Republicans. Um, but so far that really hasn't happened. Uh, that is, uh, there have been really no association um, between the trends in voters' concerns and support for Black Lives Matter uh, and their trends and support for Joe Biden. Um, so it hasn't worked so far, um, but it obviously has worked in some historical campaigns. So we do uh, need to see if uh, he, can, he can bring back uh, that fear-based campaign this time. Finally, Trump and uh, all Republicans uh, uh, keep trying to portray him as uh, someone who, as the president who uh, created this great economy. Uh, are the Democrats going to be able, do you think, to effectively counter that? Well, so far, Trump's numbers on the economy have held up surprisingly well, even when we're seeing, um, you know, a million people apply for jobless benefits every week. Um, first time we uh, are seeing Trump still uh, performing better on the economy when voters are asked who would be better, Biden or Trump. Um, so he does have some kind of built-in ad advantage there. Voters may be giving him credit for, for the economy doing fairly well until COVID. Um, so, so Biden does have to do something there. Um, we talked about last week how one thing that was sort of missing is um, making the Republican Party out to be the party of the rich and big business uh, from the Democratic convention. That's something that usually works uh, to limit uh, the Republican strength on the economy. That is, Republicans say the economy is good overall, but the Democrats say it's really tilted toward uh, the rich and big business. I'm not sure that that message got through as much um, uh, this year as it has in some previous campaigns. So uh, that is a, a potential vulnerability for Democrats. All right, Matt Grossman from Michigan State University. Thanks so much for being on City Pulse. Thank you. We'll talk to Matt Grossman again next week when it will be fewer than two months till Election Day. This is City Pulse here on The Impact 88.9 WDBM-FM. Well, it's time for me to go, but before I do, first, thanks to Skylar Ashley for producing this week's show. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz. Thanks for listening.